This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Dr. Psych Mom Show. Today, I have a treat. I got asked a question, and this is somebody who reads my blog, drpsychmom.com, and recorded me a voice question so that you'll get to hear it. It was based on my podcast that I just recorded about when women think that men never take care of them. So she had a question about her specific situation, and here it is. Hi, Dr. Psych Mom. I'm thrilled that you have a podcast. I'm so excited about it. My question is about your most recent episode about how to get a man to take care of you. Um, I've been with my boyfriend for two and a half years. We live together um, and we've just been having a ton of conflict and I just noticed that it seems when I ask for help with chores or I say, hey, can you take care of X, Y, and Z or hey, can we have some time together later? Whatever the case may be, he just seems to get so defensive and agitated about the ask. And he can even be passive aggressive about the chores and will make comments about, oh, is there anything I get to do for myself today? Or is there anything else you need me to do so I can have the rest of my day to do whatever? Like that kind of um, retaliatory comments. It's hard to navigate that. I don't know what to do. So I asked this listener more about the relationship and they've been together for two and a half years. They had been talking about getting married this year, but quote, things haven't been great. And I asked if there are any other issues in the relationship. She said, yes, there are other issues present. And then I asked her if she's a type A personality because she sounded like the kind of person who was recording that in the car while she was, you know, driving somewhere, getting there, getting shit done, knocking shit out, multitasking. That's just the level of energy that I was perceiving in that uh, reader or listener. And um, yes, so she said that that is the case and she would be considered type A or anxious. So what this person is struggling with is very similar to what many of my female clients struggle with, which is how do you get a man to do something he doesn't want to do? And that is tough, but there's there's something really um, interesting happening here, which is not only is she trying to get him to do chores and he won't do it, but she says like, um, I want to spend time together. And he also doesn't want to do it. He seems to be very, very averse to being controlled at all or feeling constricted in any way. Now, this is really not a good sign for somebody that you're potentially thinking of spending your life with, which is why it is good that she is accessing, you know, resources to try to help her figure out if this is actually the right choice for her. This guy is not married to you yet, listener. So, I mean, you you really have to make a decision here on whether or not he is making you feel special and prioritized enough. It isn't just that he doesn't want to vacuum. He also doesn't really want to be told 
to do anything, even if it's spending time together. He has the way that he wants to live and organize his life. And he's probably been doing that for many years. And if you are the usual age of my readers, then this may be a second marriage for both of you. And he is not showing signs, at least in this way, and you say there are other issues, I don't know what those are, but in, at least in this way, he's not showing that he really wants to interweave his life with yours. I have um, blog posts on interdependence, and while nobody wants to be codependent such that you cannot exist without one another or you will perish, because that's the stuff of teenage Romeo and Juliet type of romances, and we are all adults, you also don't want to, um, you know, like not really care about what the other person prioritizes and live completely separately in some kind of adult version of toddler's parallel play. That is not the sort of relationship that at least will make most people happy. It sounds like this guy is struggling with some avoidant attachment, which means that he really prizes his independence rather than interdependent. It's hard for him to say he needs probably anybody for anything. And you want to feel like you guys rely on each other and are working as a team. If he does not have this same perspective, it is going to be really hard to fit this square peg into the round hole of what you are wanting. What you are wanting is somebody who comes to you and says, hey, when can we hang out? I miss you. That does not sound like this guy. So attachment, this is a real good segue. There are different attachment styles. I can link you to stuff I've written about that. You seem more anxious attachment or the pursuer in a relationship, and he is more avoidant attachment or the distancer. So you were probably raised with a parent who was warm, but you couldn't get their attention all the time. So you were kind of uh, hypervigilant for times where you could, if you hung around enough, you could get your parent to pay attention to you. Whereas he was probably a little boy who was told, go play, go play. And independence was very much prized, which leads to avoidant attachment. So when these type of people meet up later in life, one with a caregiver that they couldn't really get the attention of constantly, but they knew that the warmth was there, that's the preoccupied or anxious attachment or you, and then the other with a caregiver that pretty much said, go play, go play, and was not super warm um, ever, really, is usually what leads to avoid an attachment. Then uh, these two people, types of people meet up and one of them is always pursuing the other and the other one is always feeling intruded upon and smothered. So while, you know, your average listener of this podcast may be like, what the hell do you know? You can't say this guy is, you know, avoiding or whatever. I'm just telling you what I think, like how I do on the blog. And like everybody in their job, you got an algorithm. If you see something hundreds of times, then you can kind of tell when it's present. So of course, if I'm wrong, you know, then I'm wrong. You know, this is uh, not, I'm not, I'm not a psychic. But what my gut tells me is that this guy's pushing away from closeness, not just in this area, but in many areas, and that you may end up dissatisfied with this long term. All, the reason I asked if you're more type A, though, is because also you have to understand what your standards are. 
There are many people I deal with that just accomplish so much. I work with a lot of high achieving people. And if you're a type A person that gets like more done in a day than like it would take three people usually, you know, if you work like 10 times faster and you're always multitasking, you're always super productive, sometimes you can like forget what the average person can get done. And so it is possible that despite how I also think that there are attachment and interdependence issues going on, it may also be that your standards for this man's productivity are more like your standards for yourself. And in that case, you're running around like the Tasmanian devil. And then he feels like on principle, just since you're up, you want him to be up and moving. And if you examine that, it may not be far off. You may want him to be your same level of productivity, but your energy, whether it's just energy or nervous energy, is something that the average person cannot match and maybe shouldn't even want to match if it is a a hectic sort of frenetic pace. So this is some place for you to introspect about what your standards are. And if this is the case, then you would probably have high standards for everybody's productivity and get impatient with people in general when they don't match your level of getting shit done. So what should you do? I believe that you, if, if that resonates with you, you want to calm down in that area. And if really he doesn't have a moment to breathe because you are kind of following him around in, in more of an anxious style and asking him to do stuff, whether it's fun stuff or not fun stuff, always asking him to do stuff, then be cognizant of that because nobody's really going to be able to relax in that environment. Also, though, note, does this man want to engage with you on a deep level? Does he want to make future plans? Does he seem excited about blending your lives or does he seem like he's always putting up boundaries? If he's always putting up boundaries and his schedule and his interests are always what comes first, that is not a good sign and maybe you could think deeply about whether you want to continue down the path toward marriage or not. If you want to communicate this, you could say something like, listen, I noticed that I know I asked you to do a lot of chores. I could try to stop, you know, asking you quite so many, but also you don't really seem to want to hang out as much as I do. And I was really thinking about that as not really a good sign. I don't know. Am I misreading something? It makes me sad to think that you don't want to hang out with me. And if he says, no, I do, but then his behavior doesn't change well, then actions speak louder than words. But if he says something like, yeah, I do, but it seems like kind of you're always disappointed in me and I'm never getting enough stuff done for your taste and it just kind of worries me about what it'll be like if we live together, then, you know, then that would be something for you to introspect about. That would be a good answer. That would be somebody bringing his vulnerability out and saying that in some way he wants to be close, but he feels that the dynamic is difficult. Two people can work on a dynamic, but what your job is is to figure out, does this man really just want to be single? Does he want to be single with, like, a girlfriend sometimes, or does he want to be a married man, whether or not that's on paper, doesn't matter. Does he want to blend lives together or not? So this is something for you to deeply think about. Now, the next thing for you to think about is whether this is a pattern in you. 
Like, I don't know what your dating history was like. Um, but if we were in therapy, then that's what we would be talking about. In addition to the, um, the relationship that you saw between parents growing up. So is this a pattern that you started to see when you were a kid where one person kind of takes care of everything and the other person has to be pulled along and is usually for a woman that is engaged in this, uh, the mother would be the one that you would be looking at. Was your mother kind of doing everything and your father kind of just got pulled along and or did you have a single mother who would then have by default been doing everything? Or sometimes it could be just that you saw the dynamic and it doesn't have to, uh, you know, concord with gender. It could be that the father did everything and the mother was pulled along. Um, that would be rarer for a woman who's replicating this dynamic, but it happens sometimes. And then we have to look at your previous relationships and or marriages, right? I don't know where you fall in terms of if you've been married before. I'm guessing possibly, as many of my followers are, I'm divorced, so I have a lot of divorced people. Um, but anyhow, uh, is this something that happens where you get invested and the other person isn't as enthusiastic about engagement in various ways? Starts out great. They seem really great. They're into you. But then little by little, you see that you are the engine of the relationship. And somehow this just comes upon you, you know, and you're not really noticing it getting worse and worse, like a lobster getting boiled alive in a pot, right? And before you know it, you are the one who is creating all of the um, plans and you are the one who's in charge of everything all of the time. And you're basically begging this person to do stuff, whether it's doing chores or hanging out with you or even just like kind of being nice and, and enthusiastic and willing to do anything. Now, in this sort of case, if, if you recognize that this is a pattern that you get into, then you have to think, I am missing red flags. I have to be, because it can't just be that, you know, by magic, everything turns out the same. There is no magic. So what you have to think is, am I ignoring signals that this person is not really into again, interweaving lives, that I basically get these more avoidant kind of people, and, and then I get into a dynamic kind of like what I saw growing up, and this would really be common for people to do, is to get into these dynamics over and over and ignore early signs. Now, you could say, what are early signs that somebody's not going to want? Because you wrote in like he doesn't like to help out. But yeah, he doesn't like to help out. He also just doesn't like to hang out. He also doesn't really like to do what he doesn't like to do. So it's a broader problem as it is for many people who don't like to help out. It's really a broader problem than that, than just being, quote, lazy or anything else. It's, again, having um, more of these, their boundaries around themselves are too strong. They can't really let in someone else. And then you're always knocking at the door, you know, to be let in. And that's really not a fun place to be. But if you grew up seeing something like this, then you don't kind of notice it before it's too late. So what are some of these red flags then? Okay, so let's say even in the first couple of weeks of dating, did this person try to get you to go on other dates? Were they planning out to the future? If you had to go somewhere, did they get the tickets? Or did you get the tickets? Did they start like 
you know, making things to places to hang out that were closer to where they live? Were they more into their own convenience? Did they even from the beginning have really kind of rigid uh, priorities around when they had their time with friends, their time with family that really couldn't move, but yet the stuff with you could get moved? You know, this would start like really only like a couple weeks or months in. People act like, oh my God, when we got married, everything changed. Like sometimes that could be somewhat true. Usually though, there are red flags almost from the inception. And what I think you are struggling with is this type of dynamic where you are ignoring that these people tend to be definitionally selfish into the self. They are into themselves. That doesn't mean something bad. It's not selfish, a pejorative term. They are more into themselves and their priorities, which would be totally fine if you weren't trying to have a relationship with them. So you could go one of two ways upon you know, receiving this feedback. Either you could be like, holy shit, this is totally what it's like. In fact, it's like this with everyone. And I really want to kind of do some deeper internal work and self-reflection on why I always end up in these relationships where I am dragging this large male albatross behind me, you know, like dragging him into everything that we want to do, begging him to participate in what I think should be our couple activities you could say you know like I don't really want to be in this relationship anymore or if you are you know really into this guy still and you feel maybe he is avoidant attachment or whatever I'm saying but he's still a good guy and you still see a future and whatever then you can try to communicate really really differently so first of all stop telling him to do shit like it's not working so stop just literally stop and start living your life. Don't ask him to do chores. Don't ask him to hang out. Basically, just have fun with him again and try to see if that, if you actually do have fun with him or not. Sometimes you don't actually, you know, really even have fun with the person anymore. And you can't even remember that because you're always asking them to do more and more stuff. It's like if you actually just stop asking him to do shit that he doesn't want to do, will he then show you any of his better qualities because it becomes actually more fun and more comfortable again and more laid back? Will he start being funny and smart and making cute little uh, jokes or hitting on you more or initiating romantic activities more if the pressure is off? So this is the first thing that you can do right, is you can like all of a sudden just stop. Now, you don't have, I, from what I understand, maybe I'm, I'm, maybe I'm misreading, I don't think you have kids with this guy, so I, it's not like he has to and should be, you know, engaging in childcare or anything like that. I don't really even know if you live with him. So he doesn't really have to do anything. You are still in kind of a phase where it should be fun. The first thing that I would do is try to stop asking him to do anything and just see if he can then come forward and have fun with you. So stop asking him to hang out, by the way, also. Make all of your own plans. Make plans with friends. Make plans with your, with your kids if you have kids. Whatever. But do not ask him to hang out. See if then he comes forward to hang out with you. This is not a mind fuck or a manipulation tactic. I literally want to know if this man just feels a lot of pressure from your type A personality and in the absence of this pressure will he come forward more maybe he will right 
So let's say he doesn't. Well, if he doesn't, then, I mean, you can talk to him about that. You can say, um, you know, I really did try to lay, you know, lay off. And I noticed that then we haven't seen each other for three weeks. What's up? So like that would be definitely a conversation that you should be having. Um, also, I would try to engage in a different sort of way about positive things more frequently. So sometimes people don't remember that, like, there's a ratio, you know. Sometimes people don't know this, but a lot of people know now. Strangely, clients tell me about the ratio. John Gottman was a marital researcher, and he said that you need seven positive things for every one negative thing that you say. Well, I mean, <laughs> how bad are most people failing on that, right? I mean, I'm failing with my kids, like, you know, like, never mind, like, partner. So, so if, if you think about it, how many positive things do you actually say to your boyfriend for every time that you say to him, hey, could you pick up the dry cleaning? Hey, could you go get me that? Hey, why don't you help me with this or that? Are you saying to him anything positive at all? You may say, well, he's not saying anything positive to me, but he's also not writing into Dr. Psych Mom, you know? So if you're the one who really wants to get a handle on this, then take the bull by the horns. Frequently, if one partner becomes more positive, the other one becomes more positive. So in addition to laying off and seeing if this allows him to maybe come forward, you know, if he feels like that he can never really attain your standards, if you're like super productive, as was my hypothesis, and he's just a kind of average productive and he feels like he's never going to really fully please you, then he may just have like, you know, uh, retreated. So if you then retreat, it gives him time to come time and space to come forward and be more assertive and to uh, pursue you like you want. You really want him to pursue you. That's kind of the issue here. So let's say that you act more positive. You tell him that he looks handsome. You say that he's smart when he's smart. You laugh at his jokes again like you used to in the beginning of the two and a half years, you know, two and a half years ago. And, and nothing really changes. And still, like, he will not you know, help. I mean, like he sees you get up and vacuum and he does not get up and he just sits there. He sees you make food and he watches TV. He sees you clean up the food. Then he watches TV. Hey, do you notice anything in what I'm saying? Don't do that, by the way. Don't do these things. Do not get up and make the food and then clean up the food. Make the food and then sit your ass down on the TV, on the sofa and watch TV and say, oh, I'm too tired to clean up. Unless he is, like, the worst person in the world, he will eventually clean up. It might not be on your timeline, but he will clean up if he is a normal, nice guy. So that is another thing. Stop over-functioning. This goes back to my over-functioning podcast. Do not over-function. If you cook the food, you're not also cleaning up the food. Like, just you're never going to do that again. If you are the one who... Uh, you know, d does any, like, first part of a task, don't also do the second part of the task, too. If you go out and get the groceries, he's going to put away the groceries. Nobody, unless they're a sociopath, is going to see that you went out to get groceries for the house, they're going to eat half of, and then they're just going to sit their ass there while the groceries sit on the floor if you don't do anything. They may take 20 minutes to get up, 
but they will get up. They will get up if they are a loving, normal person that is not a sadist. (laughs) They will get up if you seem too tired to do it. What the problem is, is you're not letting yourself seem too tired to do it because you don't trust that he's going to get up and do it. And a lot of this can come full circle back to anything that you saw growing up. If you never saw your dad help your mom, then you're not going to expect guys to help you. Then your first boyfriend, you get into this pattern, your next boyfriend, and then brings us all the way to Mr. Wonderful that you're dealing with now. So to summarize, what are my summarized points? A, I think that the guys you go for for are avoidant attachment. I think that they really prioritize themselves and you need to think deeply about whether that is a dynamic that you are into or whether you would like to do some deep self-work, potentially get guys who think differently because you start to maybe believe that that's possible for guys to think differently. I don't think currently you do. Most people don't. They think, oh, well, guys are all kind of selfish and whatever, so it's, you know, better the devil you know. No, there's plenty of guys who are going to really be willing and happy to hang out and interweave their life with yours, right? So that's number one is the avoidant attachment issue. Then is your type A anxious personality. So is this kind of too much for any person to really compete with? And does he think that he will never get up to your level of standards and productivity? So he's kind of gone into this hopelessness mode. That's also a possibility. I did bring up the point that there may not be enough positivity going on in the relationship on either direction. But if you want to start it, then if you're the one with an issue with this relationship and you really want to see if it can make it or not, you start the positive words, okay? And then also, lastly, stop over-functioning. Sit your ass down and say, I'm tired, and look at him, and he will, if he loves you and cares about you, he will do something to help you if he has the space. If you say, I'm tired, as you're putting the groceries in the fridge, you don't really seem that tired. You seem like a person who's putting groceries into a fridge, and he thinks, potentially, that if he gets up and tries to help, you're going to say, no, that's not where the strawberries go. So he sits still on the couch. So is is that a wonderful thing for him to do? No. But is it understandable? Certainly, given this dynamic. So stop over-functioning. Sit down. If you are tired and you are overwhelmed, say, I am tired and overwhelmed. Get a blanket and sit on the couch. And then if he does stuff for you, which eventually he's going to, if he is a kind of a normative human being, he will at some point take care of you if you give him the space to, which is what you really wrote in about, is how do I get him to take care of me in all of these ways that I'm saying. By being more positive, by understanding who he is as a person, and by giving him space and time to come forward without you taking care of you so well that he has no space to step in and take care of you. And that is my summary. Hopefully some of those points resonate with you. If not, send me another lovely voice message and we can work it out again on another podcast episode. So thanks so much, listener, for giving me the voice message. Anybody else who wants to send a voice message or an email, feel free You could even email me a voice message at samantharodman at gmail.com or if you use the Anchor app, I'm recording this on Anchor, so on Anchor, 
Radio.fm. If you want to send me a voice message, this person figured out how. I didn't even know it was possible. Um, And that's a wrap. Thanks so much for listening, guys.